the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Buca Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. The word of the Lord reads as follows, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Then if you would flip over to Acts chapter 8, looking at verse 1 and following, the word of the Lord reads, Now Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we honor and bless you and thank you for your grace, your kindness, your love. Thank you for the privilege of preaching. And Lord, we pray on this day that your word would go forward with authority and conviction that it would draw lost souls to you today. Spirit of the Lord, we pray that you would get the glory and the honor and the praise out of all that transpired and that your name would be exalted in this place. I need you, God, that you might allow my mind to be clear, my thoughts to be crisp, and that my words, God, might be, be articulated as the very oracle of God that your people may hear from you. Someone, Lord, is distressed today. Someone is downhearted. Someone is just in need of a word from you. So I'm praying, God, today would be the day that you would encourage their heart, that you would cause things to turn around, and that you would allow them to know that you love them. Spirit of God, have your way. We bless you. We thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, I pray, amen and amen. This morning, Katerina, I want to talk to you from the subject matter, Time to Change the Church. At the start of the church, the very infancy, and we read some bit of it there in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has gathered his disciples together. There's 120 of them or so together. They're having a conversation, and in the conversation they ask of him, when is it that you're going to come and restore the kingdom of God? He lets them know that's not for you to know. That information is solely for the Father. But he does give them this tidbit of information just prior to his departure. He says to them, 
even though it's not for you to know when God will restore the kingdom, I need you to know this. But you will or shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And He lets them know, not only, watch this, not only that they shall receive power, but that this power has purpose. Lord, help us right here. He helps them in laying out his plan for them as he's preparing to depart. I'm going to leave you power. I'm going to provide you power in the person of the Holy Spirit, but there's a purpose for the power, and the purpose for the power is that you would be my witnesses in all the world. Not long after he gives this closing salutation, the Bible says that he ascends up to glory and he leaves them. And they're left standing there staring into the clouds and they're met by an angel who comes and has another conversation with them. But they'd already been told to go on and wait for this to take place, wait for this to transpire. They were not to just go right out and do what they were going to do because God understood they couldn't do what he needed them to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they had to wait on that, which brought them and brings us to, uh, as you read through that, the day of Pentecost. But not long after they received this power that was promised to them, the church starts having problems with handling the power. Sometimes it's difficult to handle what you haven't been used to. And so they've got all this power that's laid on them for the purpose of being witnesses to him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Very quickly, they start having some issues, and the results of their problem with handling the power is that the Lord sends persecution to shake up the church, to get them back into the place where they are supposed to do be, and to get them to utilize this power for its intended purpose. There are some mild persecutions that you'll read in the text as you kind of walk through it. You'll see it in chapter 4, verse 1, where Peter is arrested by the Sadducees. And he's been preaching. He's out there preaching. And then in 517, the apostles, all of them are gathered up together for, for sharing the gospel and, and preaching. And they're imprisoned and the high priest, uh, by the high priest and the Sadducees. And then in 517, I'm sorry, in 69, Stephen is accused by the synagogue of the freedmen of, of preaching the gospel and trying to turn the city upside down. And they stone him to death in chapter 7. And then by the time you get to chapter 8, which we read and you're hearing also, Paul is on hot fire persecuting the church but even as I dug deeper into the whole history of the church I found out that about 30 years into this thing a maniac by the name of Nero got let loose on the church Nero was the emperor in Rome and he uh, he was lack of a better term a lunatic this guy killed in order to get to the throne, and then after getting to the throne, he kills his own mother. He, he, he wipes out everybody that has any potential of taking his position. Uh, then he sets Rome on fire and blames it on the Christians. And after blaming on the Christians, then he begins to persecute the Christians, and he's burning them for pleasure and sport and allowing them to be fed to his animals and impelling them on poles to light up his garden in the backyard. He's a lunatic. That's the real persecution that comes on the church. But it comes upon a church that has power that was given to it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Are y'all still here with me? Early in the church, these problems mirror what I, 
I, I believe they mirror our pre-pandemic church of today. And I believe the pandemic is the 21st century version of the shakeup of the church. And God's way of saying it's time for the church to change. We've gotten too comfortable. We've gotten too lackadaisical. We've forgotten that we were given power to possess, to do purpose for God. So there's time that the church has to change. And we needed to change as much as the church of the New Testament needed to change. Because first of all, we were narcissistic. Lord, help us here. Not only, I believe, in the pre-pandemic church, but also the church of the New Testament. They had gotten to a place where they were thinking only of themselves. The New Testament church, they started, watch this, with 120 members. They've got 120 disciples ready to get the church started. The Spirit of God comes upon them in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when they're all gathered together in one accord, and the Spirit comes upon them, and they begin to speak with other tongues. They begin to speak with other languages. They're, they're declaring the Word of God, and all of these people, and Peter is preaching a sermon, this first sermon that he preaches, and 3,000 people join the church. I mean, think of that. you got a mega church in one day. And then the Bible goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 47, that God was adding to the church such as he willed. But that's because the word was spreading. That's because the power of witness was being executed. And the God was adding to the church as he willed daily. They didn't have to wait till Sunday for church to get new members. People were joining the church every day of the week because the witness of God was in the people. The power of God was working to accomplish what the purpose of the power was that you might be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the world. Watch this. By chapter 4, Peter preaches his second sermon. I mean, any preacher would be glad to have his first sermon's results. But now he preaches his second sermon, and at his second sermon, 5,000 people come to know the Lord. I mean, here's a preacher, he's only preached two sermons, and 8,000 people have come to know the Lord because there's power working in him to be witness to God. And the church is growing, exponentially growing, and the witness of God is expanding. And all of this power begins to become a problem. Because by the time you get to Acts chapter 6, the church is now arguing and fighting over how it's going to take care of itself. By the time you get to Acts chapter 6, there are those in the church, those that are born again, those that possess the power of witness. They're now arguing, who's going to feed our widows? They're thinking about themselves. They begin to internalize this whole thing. And now the power is being pulled away. Now, I know it's just a distraction because the enemies are going to use every opportunity to distract us from utilizing the power for the purpose that God intended it. But watch this. As that happens and this struggle goes on in Acts chapter 6, they're trying to figure out, they're, they're really trying to, there's this effort to draw the power away from being witness for God to take in the power to internalize it on the church. And listen to me, it's not so unlike the church pre-pandemic that it turned all of its efforts on itself, that it forgot that it was in, in place to be witness for God, and all the efforts and all the energy was being drawn away to itself, pulled upon to internalize. Several years later, Paul starts a church in Corinth. 
And in Corinth, instead of them utilizing the power to give glory and witness to God, they're, they're using this power in order that they might bring glory and witness to themselves. Because in that church, we find Paul correcting them not many days longer, not many days in, not too far along in their infancy of a church. Paul has the right to correct them because everybody was using the power, because everybody was, was using this power, misusing the power, misguided in their use of the power. Everybody had a tongue. Everybody had a word. Everybody wanted to be somebody. Everybody wanted to show off their spiritual gifts. But Paul has to address them to correct all of this because now now it's not about using the power that God had given them to be witness for himself. But they were now using the power to bring glory and witness of them own selves. As I look deeper into that, I said, I see the church of 2020. Where we are also have abused the power of God. Where we also have taken all of this power of the Holy Spirit that is in us and we've utilized it to internalize and focus solely on us. We've used it to focus on how can we make our name great. We've used it to, 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 to try to bring attention to ourselves. How can we make our name above some other name? How can we be better than the church down the street? How can we outperform this guy over here? How can we outperform that person over there? How can I use this gift that I have that I might make money for myself and I might get on the top billboard chart? How can I be the one that everybody turns to on Sunday morning? Everybody's in competition. God did not give the church power to compete against itself. He gave it power to be witness of him. Ha! We, we internalized the power. We became narcissistic with the power. And everything came, became about our church and our bishop and our department and our ministry and our Bible study and our men's group and our women's group and our, our, our fellowship ministry and our this and our that. What about Christ? Instead of using the power to be witness to him, we're using it to gain wealth for ourselves, selling the benefits of the power that God put on us in order to draw wealth for ourselves. Do you realize that if you do the work and will of God, God will take care of you? I truly believe that the gifts and the calling of God, your gift will make room for you. It will not only make room for you, but it will also take care of you. We don't have to prostitute the power in order, oh Lord Jesus, we don't have to do that in order to, to gain enough wealth to survive. No, God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. It's not according to what I can extract from the church. It's not, oh, help me, God. It's not about my, my high-dollar honorarium. No, God can honor you far more than a church can out of their budget. But no, we, we've used this power that God laid on us, and, and it's become about us. It's become about the, our own little church, our own little department, our own little corner of the world, our own little, little, uh, our own little spot, our own little space. We closed everybody out. It was not about anybody but us. We forgot we were supposed to witness. In fact, when folk came in, we even looked at them funny as if, what are you, suppo- what are you doing here in our church? 
And can I just be for real, for real? There are some churches you walk into and it ain't nothing friendly about it. You know immediately you're an outsider. Because we use this power to be about us. We need to remember that God gave us this power to be witnesses for him. You shall receive power that is dynamite power, that is explosive power, that is heavenly power, that is unmeasurable power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Not just in Jerusalem, because the church here that we're talking about, they were doing okay in Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem was booming. They had a a, a 10,000 plus member church in Jerusalem. They were having good church in Jerusalem. Everything was wonderful in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, because they did... They did not take this power that they were given, and they did not take it beyond Jerusalem. They, watch this. There were some apostles that were going out, but the people is, at large were not going out. They were not doing what God called. So now God has to shake up the church. God sends, sends persecution on the church, and that persecution comes to shake them up. And, and, and even for us, I look at our situation because we have become so, so narcissistic, because we had come so closed door in our church mentality. God has shaken us up. God has shut down our fellowships and all of our food services. And I don't know about any other church, but I can tell you one thing about our church. We're saving a whole lot of money on food right now. Because we can't come together in fellowship. We, and that's what we call fellowship. Fellowship is eating food. And a whole lot of God's good money has been going and being spent on food. But God shut all that down. Because a lot of the times, come on, let's be for real, for real. A whole lot of the times in church life, the fellowship and the food money that we're spending, Lord have mercy, is not for the purpose of reaching anybody with the gospel of Christ. It's all about us coming together. It's all about us. It's all about us. It's all about us. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe we do need to come together in fellowship. I'm not trying to throw fellowship under the bus and say throw it out with the bathwater. But what I'm saying, we've been out of proportion in a lot of these things. And God shut all that down. He closed all the doors of the buildings. And now all of a sudden, it ain't about just you anymore. Now it can't be just your little gathering that, that comes together. It, it couldn't be about just you and your, your 15 members and, and y'all being in there doing what y'all wanted to do. It ain't about you as a preacher or, or a pastor doing your own little private Bible study and nobody else knew what you were saying. Now in order to get the gospel out, you have to be online. You have to go out beyond the walls. God has forced us into a place where we have to put the word of God out not only to our Jerusalem but also to Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Lord help me here Jesus. He's breaking up and shaking up our narcissistic attitude about church. I wonder why did we not do this before the pandemic. Now, I'm going to say, because I mean, Katherine, we've been online for three and a half years, almost four years. And so not so much that, but there's so much more that we could have been doing. 
and not just us, but the church at large, how come you weren't sharing your Bible studies and your women's groups and your men's group activities? How come it just had to be about your little group? How come it was just about your little church? Were the resources of God that provided it to be done for your little church? Are you so selfish that you didn't want to share it with anybody else? Were we so narcissistic in our mindset that, that we thought that somehow it was more important for us to be able to count our witness and count our results than it was for us to add to the kingdom such as God will? The church needed to change because we were narcissistic. Let me, let me, let me move on because I could be here all day long. But I'm not going to do that. Let me get you all up and out of here. Secondly, I think the church needs to, needed to change because we were non-evangelistic. In Acts chapter 8, when the church um, used the power on itself, um, what happened there was they stopped using it outwardly. See, once, once evangelism means to look outward. It requires an outward look. It requires to look outside of yourself, outside of the church, outside of the born-again believers to those who don't know Jesus. Um, and evangelism required that of us, and, and it requires a witness of Christ. And so when you become narcissistic, you become non-evangelistic. So now you get comfortable, stay here with me, with the number of people you have and you're not really interested in going outside to reach anymore. Watch this. As if everybody you reach for the gospel was going to come into your church. Trust me, they were not. And it's not about your church or my church. It's about his church because the power that's given to be witness is his power. And the power that was given to be witness is his power to be witness for him. And so watch this. So our pre-pandemic church situation, so many churches really had just stopped outreach altogether. They had stopped evangelizing. In fact, some even said door-to-door evangelism is dead. It's over. It doesn't work. But the last time I checked, there's a whole lot of folk that don't know Jesus. And the last time I checked, when you knock on somebody's door who is dying and on their way to hell and you offer them the light of the world and you offer them an opportunity to spend their eternity with Jesus Christ, whoa, there's still opportunity that God can work through his power to draw them to himself. And so from, from what I understand, the power of God has not, emptied itself there's no loss in the power there may be loss in the people because we stopped going and there'll be the the, the pre-pandemic church we just stopped doing it and the pre-pandemic church became just all about self the pre-pandemic church was using all of its power to take care of itself it was it was not as interested in the outreach it was not as interested in the witness of Christ. It was not as interested in, in meeting that, 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 that man or that woman or that boy or that girl on the street who doesn't know Jesus. 
But God has a way. But if the light, Lord, help me, God, is hidden under a bushel, how will they know which way the light is if we don't share the gospel, if we don't become evangelistic? Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org. And remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.